people are either having to fundraise, which is horrendous when you've got a very poorly charged, or go to the black market, which is more worrying than anything. Cannabis has changed our lives and it's given Alfie a freedom of life that he never had before. And I want every child like Alfie to benefit from that medicine if they can. Without sounding too dramatic, it saved my life because I was at a point in 2016 where I didn't want to live anymore because of how bad it was, of how ill he was, how I felt that I wasn't being a good enough parent to him or to my daughter. I felt out of control. Welcome back to The Healthy Beast, Hannah Deacon, who three years ago got the first NHS prescription for her son, Alfie, Alfie Dingley. And we all thought this was this was the start of a new way things were going to work. And you were promised that you would have this medicine for your son. He has a severe form of epilepsy. But the last three years haven't exactly gone as we, we expected. And in fact, we did a podcast coming on a year ago, September last year, and not a lot has changed since then. So just if I could ask, how old is Alfie now? He's nine now. He's nearly 10. He's nearly 10. So when you first got this prescription three years ago, he was still six, right? Six, yeah. He he was coming up to seven, yeah. And for anyone who doesn't know the story, there's been a it's been in the papers a lot. And we, as I say, we all thought it was a very good news story, and it was for you. It just hasn't gone nearly the way we'd hoped. And no. just could you tell people that don't know what, what changed for you in terms of Alfie's quality of life when you managed to get this first mm-hmm. prescription? Well, yeah, I mean, that that absolutely is what it is. This is a quality of life medicine. Alfie has a very severe form of epilepsy caused by a non-inherited genetic condition called PCDH19, which is one he's one of nine boys diagnosed in the world that we know of. There may be other other boys out there, but diagnosed as he's one of nine. So it is a very, very rare, very, very aggressive refractory epilepsy, which we couldn't beat with the pharmaceutical medication that he was being given up until we tried medicinal cannabis. And when we went to Holland in 2017 and lived there for five months to try it, his life changed completely. And as parents, we have to accept that Alfie is not going to be cured, that he's always going to have his condition and that he will probably always have severe seizures um, at moments in time. And he will also always have autism and behaviour issues and all the other things that come with his condition. But what cannabis medicine does for him is, is reduce his seizures significantly. So we've just in May gone over a year seizure free, which is the first time he's ever done that in his life. I mean, that's brilliant for you. It must be I guess you're torn at the moment because you feel personally he's doing okay and you're kind of happy for him. But then you've got this other side, the political side, if you if you want this kind of ongoing yeah. campaign that mm. you're... And and while I have the strength to do that, you know, while, Al, while Alfie is as well as he can, and, and you know, I, I think it's really important to say that I continue to be the parent of a medically fragile child who has days where his behaviour is incredibly difficult. He has autism, he has uh, speech delay, he, does, he struggles to understand things. So I think it's really important to ensure that 
all people listening to this and parents who have children with epilepsy, you know, this isn't a cure. This is something that reduces his seizures significantly and also his other, his need for, I mean, he does use anti-epileptic medication, but on a very low dose. So we don't see huge amounts of side effects from those medicines, but he is still medically fragile and that's still very difficult to parent. But I feel, you know, I have felt and do feel a huge amount of grief about that. And the way I try to be positive is to use my experience and my voice to try and help other families like mine. And while I have the strength and while he's well, while I have the strength to do that, I will, you know, campaign and use my voice on behalf of those families because it does turn something that's really, really sad for our family into something for me that's positive. And um, well, for all of us, it's been very positive. We feel that, you know, Alfie has helped us to help other people and that's a wonderful thing. So you know, I think it's important to know it's not it's not easy every day still, but we we, you know, see the benefits for him, huge benefits. You know, he's at school every day, he's he's happy, he's enjoying his life. It's it's us as parents that struggle some days because of his parenting, you know, a, a child with epilepsy is tough. However well they are, it's tough. And it's tough on his sister some days as well, who's only six and can get the brunt of it as well. So yeah, I just want families like ours to have the best life possible because it is it's tough. It's really tough. You you said a couple of times there you used the same phrase and it's not one you used I don't think when we spoke last time you said while I have the strength as though do you have, the, I I heard from that I'm sure this isn't the case for you but it, you feel it might be running out is that no I don't think so I think that when I mean Alfie's seizures did return not as badly but they did return in 2019 and I was I was distraught about that and I actually carried on campaigning because because he still had a better quality of life he still was better than he was before cannabis but we had to tweak his dose we had to find what worked for him and that I think that's quite why I say that because I felt at times then very distraught very upset but I kept going and I kept fighting for him but I think I think saying while I have the strength it goes for any parent who's caring for a child and I and I feel very angry sometimes that parent carers are not given the gratitude or the understanding that society should give them because I think being you know being a parent anyway is tough um, but being a parent of a child who has autism or epilepsy or other chronic long-term conditions which can reduce their life expectancy that is that's big it's big to deal with as parents and you do get to points sometimes where you find it really tough I think to keep going And, and I don't feel that now but I also I think it's really important for me to be in a position where I understand that Alfie may not be as well as he is forever. I don't know. I don't know what his condition will bring. So I suppose I use that phrase because at the moment I feel that I need to use my voice for positivity. And there may be a point in time in the future when I can't because I don't know how he's going to be. So we live day to day and all the time that he's well, I'll use my my voice for positivity and try to help these people because I know I know what it's like to feel the grief. I know what it's like to suffer and to worry every day about your child. And cannabis has changed our lives in the sense that it's given Alfie a freedom of life that he never had before. And I want every child like Alfie to benefit from that medicine if they can. So another phrase, another phrase you used was about, which again I think was possibly slightly 
different to how I heard it before as you talked about his quality of life now I completely agree it sounds you know night and day in terms of his quality of life but it it seems to me that it's it's more than quality of life in in his case I mean quality of life I mean I don't think it's an understatement to say that these it could be life-saving Oh, absolutely. Mm. So mean, not just quality, but sorry, not just life-saving, yeah. actually saving his life. So. Oh, yeah. I mean, we we did say we saved his life. And I, you know, I'm grateful every day for that. And I also, you know, Alfie has an NHS prescription that I can pick up from his doctor and go and pick it up at our local pharmacy. And that's the way it should be for every child with refractory epilepsy like Alfie. And I'm very acutely aware of families like Alfie, who have children like Alfie and children who are a lot worse than Alfie, who have very short life expectancies. I'm friends with parents who have children with short life expectancies and they are having to spend their life focused on fighting for access, lawyers, doctors, money, you know, all the things that really they shouldn't be spending their time focusing on and it does make me very very sad for them and angry on their behalf that they have been ignored for so long and so yeah I I know how lucky I am and we did save his life absolutely I mean Alfie was in hospital every week with hundreds of seizures and I actually think without sounding too dramatic it saved my life because I was at a point in 2016 where I didn't want to live anymore because of how bad it was, of how ill he was, how I felt that I wasn't being a good enough parent to him or to my daughter. I felt out of control. My relationship with my partner was very difficult because we were both grieving. We were both exhausted. We were both frightened that he was going to die. And so in that sense, yeah, it's absolutely saved us as a family. It saved my life. It saved his life. And it's why I feel so strongly about it being available on the NHS and being funded and being seen as the medicine that it can be. And and it does infuriate me really that after three years we haven't got further forward but I think that all the time we're like you know I will continue to fight for it and I'll continue to talk about it and I'll continue to raise it because it is important it matters to me I know what my family's been through and I know what other families are going through and it's it's not okay it's not acceptable and it needs to be better and we need to keep trying to make it better. And this well this brings us on to where we are now so three years down the line uh, from June 2018, when Alfie got his prescription, he still got a prescription. It hasn't been easy keeping it. We can talk about that, but he still got his. But in this three years, there's a to- if if, I under- if if our figures are correct, which I believe they are, there's a total of three yeah. prescriptions. So for Alfie, whole plant cannabis, yeah, uh, yeah, for whole plant cannabis. So Alfie and and two others mm. in the whole country. And but we, I mean, we found out from. I did a podcast with Professor Mike Barnes who got Alfie his prescription and private prescriptions are on the app. So you can, cannabis is available if you have the money. Yeah. It's incredibly expensive. So these NHS prescriptions, just three. Now, the journalism profession is very guilty of wanting things simple. You know, that's dealt with now. Move on to the next thing. And, you know, we thought, you know, Alfie, the test case, he's got his prescription. But this is what you this is what you were told. And so you've, you've written this letter now to Boris Johnson. Yeah. And I mean, you've, you've you took your campaign credit to you to the very to the very highest levels. And you if I remember correctly, you basically had Home Secretary, Health Secretary, Prime Minister, yeah. In all in different ways, assuring you that this would that, that prescriptions of this kind would, would would be the norm when needed. 
but no one's getting them. So no, I I actually think to be fair to Sajid Javid and to you know the health secretary at the time and and Theresa May, I think I think definitely Sajid Javid. He actually wrote me a personal letter to say that he believed that this medicine should be available and that he would advocate for it at every turn. And actually, I believe I believe him. I actually think that he rescheduled cannabis-based medicines to Schedule Two because he thought that would make them available. The reality is is that you can't just reschedule a medicine and then hope it's going to be prescribed. And at the beginning, we thought that because it was rescheduled, that it would be available to prescribe by by consultants. And and it became quickly obvious that because of the very restrictive NICE guidance, but also the fact that the medicine is not commissioned, which basically means that if NICE don't approve its prescribing, you know, in certain cohorts, for example, NHS England will not commission it, which is basically means they will not allow funding for it. So the only way you can receive funding at the moment for an unlicensed medicinal cannabis product is through what's called an individual funding request, which is basically has to either go to NHS England or your CQC, depending on where you live. And you have to prove what's called exceptionality. So the other two prescriptions, I'm not sure I couldn't comment on because they're both in Northern Ireland and I don't know how they're funded. So it may be that they're funded differently because the health legislation is different. But in England, that is what you have to do. So we got that prescription through our CQC funding because Alfie is one of nine boys in the world. But actually what we found out through, I'm sure, you know, there was a legal case done recently, which helped NICE to clarify the guidance on prescribing for children with epilepsy, saying that actually each patient should be looked at individually. And if they're benefiting from a private prescription that a doctor could prescribe if they felt that it was reasonable and that there was no nationwide um, advice against prescribing, which was which was good. And it was uh, you know great that that legal case happened and that that clarification happened. But it doesn't take away the fact that this medicine is actually not funded so it's very difficult when Matt Hancock stands in parliament and says the law has been changed doctors can prescribe that may be what he thinks is the truth and again I don't think that the government ever changed the law thinking you know we've changed the law but actually we're going to block access at every time I just think it's actually like what you said like the media think the law changed and it's done and I think it's probably just bad foresight actually they didn't look at look at how this was going to be funded there you know and it was very very unfair of Matt Hancock to say well doctors can prescribe because actually he, all he did was put all the pressure on doctors to prescribe and even if a doctor prescribes today they still wouldn't get funding unless it was proved that you had exceptionality and the chances of that for most of these children with severe epilepsy is is not possible because they have things like LGS and Dravé syndrome which is actually quite common amongst amongst refractory epileptic children so that's basically the crux of it and that's why I've written this letter to the prime minister to explain those issues and to say to him look you know these are the issues please sit down with me and talk to me about this and let's sort it out because I don't believe as our prime minister that he wants to harm these children or Matt Hancock. I don't believe anyone in the government want to harm these children. I just think that they've got their minds on other things and they're not taking it seriously enough. And I think that they really must. You know, it is, I, I, it's time now to really take control of this situation because actually 
what we're hearing through Medcan support, which is a support group I help set up, is that people are either having to fundraise, which is horrendous when you've got a very poorly child, or go to the black market, which is more worrying than anything. And you put there's a couple of points that you put in your letter that I wanted wanted to bring up because the bit that says about just three prescriptions. So it's so is Alfie's the only one in the UK as far as you were the in, only one in, in England. In England, so in the other two in Northern Ireland. Yeah. And you also say that every single one of these children had a media campaign behind them and this is the fear looking at this story first thing you think was yeah you you campaigned tirelessly and you obviously you didn't plan to become this media campaigner but it was obviously something you took (laughs) to and and whether you and you and you can be too modest to agree or not but you happen to be very good at it so you've gone and you've gone and done all of this thing but children not lucky enough to be in that position they're getting nothing so so it's the media campaigns and, and then yeah the other thing which you you touched upon saying that they're going and other other families going and buying street cannabis yeah. now and now i mean it's a i mean whilst you know it's still still illegal in this country and most people don't have they don't think of it in terrible ways as they do crack cocaine and other things like that still the very the very fact that they're having to go to drug dealers i think i mean i think this is a very powerful thing to put mm. in a le- in a letter to dear boris because you know i think i think the reality check and and you said I think I wouldn't be alone in getting getting lost in a, in a couple of the different breakdowns of the various conditions that might be treated like this. But to kind of sum up what Professor Mike Barnes said is it is in his estimation it was thousands of kids. There's think, around then, yeah yeah. There's around come, sorry. sorry please please go. Oh, so there's around thirty seven thousand children with refractory epilepsy in the UK, which is not a great deal of the population, but it's still a huge amount of children. And I think what we have to remember as well, which is something that I want to highlight if I get to meet the Prime Minister or when I get to meet the Prime Minister, should I say, uh, being positive, that those children are costing the NHS a huge amount of money. We worked out when Alfie was in hospital every week, it was about £150,000 a year. So it's millions of pounds that could be saved for the NHS, actually, if we introduce this treatment. And that's what, again, another sort of misnomer that's touted around a lot is that medical cannabis is very expensive, so it shouldn't be commissioned on the NHS. Well, actually, no, it will save it will save a lot of money for the NHS if these children get a chance to use this product. There's also um, a lot of people talking about the fact that there's no evidence and there has to be randomised controlled trials. Well, actually, a whole plant cannabis product can't go through randomised controlled trials. And what drug science have done over the last year is actually collect the data of 22 children who are on private prescriptions along with Alfie and actually publish published, peer-reviewed, published that data. And it shows an 84% improvement in in the seizures and a 96% improvement in overall well-being, which is staggering. And that's, you know, real-world evidence data that's been collected by uh, researchers from drug science who, who know exactly what they're doing, and it's been published. And that is evidence. And I want the Prime Minister to understand that we don't need to go through randomised controlled trials where we're, we're testing CBD against THC because actually that's not what the cannabis plant is all about. The cannabis plant is around about terpenes. The cannabis plant is about all the minor cannabinoids, which also help towards the entourage effect, which help towards the treatment of resistant epilepsy. And, and actually the evidence is there in these cohort of children to show that it is extremely safe. They've been on it for the last two years. Alfie's been on it for three years. Alfie's cognitive development has improved hugely. So I sort of refute this 
pushing back on it's too expensive there's not enough evidence because actually there is and that's why I've asked him to talk to me because I really want to talk to him and tell him that you know that's not correct let's let's make this happen for these people and actually let's let's make it available on the NHS because it's just another it's it's a medicine and it's another tool in the toolbox for our doctors and 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 I know having talked to lots of doctors they want it to be available they really do they want it to be out available for children with chronic illness but also for cancer treatment for palliative care you know they doctors want this available but they they you know a lot of them are too frightened to speak up about it because they can't you know they can't in their professions talk about it it sounds like I mean it may have been a cut and paste standard response but you did get a reply from Boris Johnson before what did he say the health of children like Alfie is of paramount importance to this government I think was yeah I have it here I can show it to you I'm very happy to send you a copy okay Um, lovely and he does, yeah, he says to me that uh, the health of children at Alfie is of paramount importance to this government. That is why we are determined to find a solution. This was to do with the supply issue for Bedrolite. But, you know, he know he's aware of me. He's written that to me. Um, he knows of the issues. The Department of Health and Social Care know of the issues. I know that Joe Churchill personally has been looking at the funding issue or the issue of access for patients on the NHS. But what we do know, I think we've seen it over the last 18 months, that actually, if government want to do something, they can do it very rapidly. And I'm not comparing this issue with COVID at all. But what I'm saying is that this is a very serious situation. There are families out there. I mean, I visited a a mother on Friday whose son is very seriously ill. It absolutely broke my heart to see her and how hard she was finding parenting her little boy. Um, She's been far as she feels thoroughly let down by her doctors because she's used this medicine with uh, bedrolite with her son for two years she's kept him out of hospital she's not been giving him rescue medication but he is deteriorating sadly because of his condition and I really feel if if the Prime Minister were to visit her or just, you know, even the media to actually see what these families go through on a day to day basis, I think there would be absolute uproar because it's the reality. And I think it's very easy for government to remain detached and actually even society to remain detached from what these families are going through. And you know, it deserves a huge amount of empathy. And it's not it's not being given that. And I believe that the government can sit down on, you know, around the table with me. And we can discuss, you know, can there be funding? Can there be an observational trial? How can we help these families? And they will be able to, you know, create a solution within the parameters of the law. And that they they would be happy with and we would be happier with. I believe that if there's a will, there's always a way. Um, at the moment, there's just not enough attention to this from from the government. It does sound whilst we all we all like to line up and bash the politicians. I mean, it, it does sound like in this case, doesn't no one's done anything particularly bad as far as we can tell. It's more it's more that it's kind of been pushed around, and now because it's a plant and because it doesn't fit exactly into the into the, the model for testing that medicines do mm. it's kind of it's kind of stuck it's not that as you yeah. say you never quite know if, if whether the pharmaceutical companies are, are up to something we always they're always suspicious of them of them too but it, it doesn't seem like it's particularly anyone cackling evilly and and, and withholding it. it's more as you were saying that it's kind of got stuck and needs mm. attention yeah uh, and I, I agree with that and I think 
at the moment we see uh, NICE and the Department of Health um, trying, uh, you know, and doctors and, and uh, you know, the Royal College of Physicians and the BPNA and doctors like that trying to push this plant down a randomised controlled trial route, trying to push it down a pharmaceutical route. And that's, you know, that is fine if you want to create single compound medicines from cannabis. What I would say is we know that they won't be as beneficial as a whole plant product. And I understand that doctors are frightened of cannabis, one, because it's had, um, you know, a very, very effective campaign against its use for the last sort of 70 years. It's a plant. Uh, There is no botanical framework they don't get taught at the endocannabinoid system at at university. There's lots of reasons why, but I don't feel ignorance is a reason to push back on it. Actually, doctors, the one oath that they do take is first do no harm. And at the moment, I'm, I'm sad to say, but I think there are doctors doing harm to these children by blocking it, by not finding out about it, by not actually supporting families in, in securing funding, by actually saying, no, we want to see randomised controlled trials first, which will take five to ten years. Um, and in that time, these children, some of them won't be here. And they are already benefiting from a whole plant product. And that's that's what my point as well, is that these children have really run their own trial for the last two years and they benefit from it. And within two years, we would know if there was any extreme issues. And, and the BPNA, for example, um, the sort of the leaders within the BPNA say things like, oh, well, THC could damage the growing brain. But we're talking about children with refractory epilepsy who have some have shortened lives, drastically shortened lives. We're never going to find out about that. What we are going to find out now is that this product stops their hundreds of seizures every day. And this is always about risk and benefit. It has to, it's never going to be, you know, when you're talking about children with refractory epilepsy, it's never going to be the perfect solution. But what we have found is medicine that works for our kids. And the government need to say, okay, we accept this isn't a pharmaceutical. And NICE should say, this isn't a pharmaceutical. We accept the exceptionality of the cannabis plant. Can we create a framework which looks at real world evidence, which looks at observational data, as well as RCT data about whether this is safe to prescribe. And my other point that I that I have made, not in the letter, but in my you know conversations I've had about this before, is that there are currently 78 medicines prescribed on the NHS with no randomised control data. Um, so if that's happening, then why is cannabis different? You know, that it's being treated completely differently to many other pharmaceutical drugs that have no randomised control data to back their safety up. Um, they, they basically, basically that's very said, worrying. They basically said they basically made it made it legal, but then just set the bar so high that you can't get it. Exactly. Which is disgraceful. And, and mm. I think, you're, you know, I come from a position as I, I don't think that anyone's particularly trying to block it. I just think no one's talking to each other. I mean, I said to Matt Hancock in. Uh, February 2020 when we went to see him um, just before lockdown we went into his office and we'd done some media and he met with us and I said why can't we just sit around a table you me uh, nice the MHRA home office and sort it out what so we can agree on how this goes forward and obviously you know he said that we can't do that that's that's impossible but I don't you know if intergovernmental departments can't talk to each other then what hope have we got they've got to sit around the table and talk to each other for the best the best of these children and the best of these suffering chronically ill patients you know 
there's many millions of patients in this country that could benefit. And, and obviously, I feel very passionately about the children with epilepsy because my son has epilepsy. But we mustn't forget there's millions of patients, chronic pain, um, you know, gastric problems, cancer pain, loads and loads of people that could benefit from this medicine being available on the NHS. And actually, I believe would would actually save the NHS money if it was available. Funny how putting something in a slightly different way can make you think of it differently. Because when you said the thing about do no harm, as you were saying, I thought that sounds a bit harsh because, you know, to, to say doctors are doing harm. And I think they're not doing harm because they want to do harm. But in effect, if you have something that could dramatically improve or even save the quality of someone's life or even save their life, it's available. And for whatever reason, you don't slash can't give it to them you're right they are whether you, whether it's nice to say it or not they are doing harm you know because it's available and I think, the, yeah yeah sorry that's okay and the kids are not getting it so yeah mm-hmm. whether, whether I think I think their job as doctors is to do the best for their patients that they can and uh, we you know we've seen it from uh, the rescast panel that's been set up by uh, BPNA members uh, to look at refractory epilepsy cases that the advice they're giving to some parents is that they can't have you know they don't recommend the use of an unlicensed medical cannabis product but they do recommend them going on epidiolex again even though they've already been on epidiolex and it hasn't worked or they recommend uh you know doing anti-epileptics that are unlicensed that's the irony of it they're, they're recommending unlicensed anti-epileptics to families mm. And they're making their children more ill because they have, you know, these children are doing well on Vedralite and other medical cannabis products. And they're not recommending their use. They're saying, well, we'd rather try an unlicensed pharmaceutical. And I just don't get that mentality. And whilst, you know, I am, you know, Alfie's doctors are wonderful. I'm so lucky that he has very forward thinking doctors that are putting him at the heart of his care. I, I hate I hate to say it, but I sadly don't see that in some doctors' attitudes, and and th- they should they should find out about this and make it happen for these parents rather than trying to block it and saying, oh, we have to do randomised controlled trials. Which, to be honest, in a cannabis plant, is nonsense. <laughs> yes, I agree. I, I think back to what you, something you said earlier. I think a lot of them do fear it, and I think it's for two for two sort of different reasons. Really, I think they don't have the education in what it can do. So, the, so there's the, there's the lack of education, but they get educated on the job in the wrong way because every every time they see someone who is involved with pretty much every time they see someone who's involved with cannabis, they see someone who's messed up, right? So if you get someone who is into all the bad stuff, alcoholic, drug, various drugs, and, and every doctor will see these people because they very quickly become ill and have to go to the doctor this is a pattern that happens up and down the country those people as, as in their smorgasbord of bad stuff they do smoke cannabis it's in it because it's just one of the drugs they slot into their sort of catherine wheel of abuse that they're that they're doing daily so and that's all they see most doctors so they say oh cannabis that's something that the yeah. messed up alkies who come in here smoke mm-hmm. Yeah, but they also, you know, they drink milk and eat toast. You know, it's not, you can't say it's definitely that bad because they do. what they don't see is is people like me who are pretty healthy and, and occasionally take it for pain. You know, and it, it's, it's um, so they only get the, they only get the bad side of it. They only get the people yeah. messed up. And I've had this, I had this said to me by a, by a specialist. So he, when I tried after doing a podcast with, Mike Barnes, I went through the process of trying to get it on the NHS just to see what would happen. And I got ranted at by a pain specialist. He said, he's, 
his clinic has been inundated by alcoholics demanding their cannabis, his words, not mine. And it was really opened my eyes because I suddenly thought I hadn't thought about all these people just wanting it for fun. And I think this really clouds their their judgment. And the fact that, as you say, we've had this campaign since the 1930s to to demonize it. And I think they just it's they're fine. A lot of them are finding it very hard to get past that, seeing it's something that wasters ruin their lives with. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and I I understand that. And I think what's really important is to separate the narrative. This is we're talking about the medicinal clinically led use of cannabis. We're not talking about high strength THC recreational use. But what I would say as well with that is that's that issue is tantamount to the lack of services for people with addiction as well, which is not something that I, you know, talk about or campaign on. But actually, if people are being inundated with people who have addictions and they're not being treated dealt with properly then that's another big issue and and I would touch on it with regard to Alfie is when we spent a lot of time in hospital um sadly we I witnessed a, a, twice uh, children young girls trying to kill themselves on a, a children's ward um when Alfie was lying next to the bed the different bed having seizures I saw a girl trying to kill herself with a, a cord and a sock and by trying to suffocate herself and that's because there's nowhere for these people to go there's you know as far as where where we are in Warwickshire it did they and I said to the hospital what you know why are these mentally mentally ill children in this ward and they said well there's nowhere for them to go and I think that's a completely different subject, but I think it's really important to remember that, you know, when talking about cannabis, we're, we're talking about the medicinal use of it. But also on the other point, there are people with addictions to alcohol, to all sorts of drugs, and they're not getting enough help or support. And that's probably why these doctors are getting inundated with them. And actually, there is evidence that cannabis can help reduce the need for other drugs as well. And we know that through research that's been done. So um that's what needs to change. Doctors need to understand that this is very, very different when, you know, very, very different. But I do understand what you're saying. You know, they're probably skewed with cannabis. But also people are addicted to opioids. People are addicted to pharmaceutical drugs. Um, and doctors should be just as worried about that, uh, you know, the, 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 the cannabis. But I think it is a long road and that's why we need to keep talking about it and, and raising it as an issue and hoping because I know I talked to doctors that actually only last week I was talking to a, a surgeon who is actually really keen to find out more about cannabis wants to prescribe it wants to have it as another tool in his toolbox but doesn't feel able to sort of raise his head above the parapet to say that because there is a lot of sort of credibility issues if you say that as a doctor and so you know I'm not I'm definitely not sort of having a go at doctors because I think they're very it's very difficult for them but what I would say is that there are doctors within this conversation who are having a big influence on the government and they are they are telling them the wrong things and they are doing the wrong thing and I think that's incredibly sad. So who's telling them wrong things? The, BP, the people from the BPNA, uh, people that have influence within government and are being spoken to, I think that they don't understand cannabis. They don't understand why randomised controlled trials aren't um, acceptable for this plant. And they are very, very frightened of, the, of THC. But actually, what is important to know with, with whole plant cannabis and epilepsy is that actually the THC is a tiny, tiny bit of, of the medicine. Most of it is CBD and most of it is minor cannabinoids and terpenes, which is what give it its medicinal value. But they don't understand that. And that's that's what really frustrates me, that 
I suppose because I remember my MP right at the beginning. I mean, I'm, he's done a lot to help me, but I remember right at the beginning when I first met him and I told him about wanting to use cannabis with Alfie for his epilepsy. And he said, but you're not a doctor. And that's that's the attitude that doctors are being listened to and, and parents like me aren't. And I think that's incredibly unfair because, no, I'm not a doctor, but I can read and I've done a huge amount of research. And that's all I'm asking these doctors to do is open their minds and their hearts to actually helping these people rather than completely blocking it because they don't know anything about it because that's well, just that's just ignorance and that's not fair <laughs> well I know you're modest but Mike Barnes who knows more about this than pretty much anyone in the world said that you know more about this issue than I think he said 99.9 percent of doctors <laughs> um but yeah as you say I think that's it's, probably it's not, the problem <laughs> yeah as I say it's not it's not it's not it's not certainly not a question of, of having a go at the doctors. I mean, my, my yeah. dear father and sister are both doctors and will be listening to this. And I never want to, you know, it's, it's never, it's never right to have a go at a whole profession. It's just, it's just absolutely not who, yeah. who do, who, who we thank every day and who do wonderful things and keep us all alive. Exactly. It's about one specific thing. Yeah. And it's it's about asking just to have an open mind. That's all we're asking. I'm not saying there should be mass prescriptions and otherwise people aren't doing being a good doctor. I'm saying open your mind to it. And I do completely agree with you that there is a skewed vision of this. But actually, the way you change that is by learning about it and then making a decision. That's all we're saying is be educated and then make a decision rather than sitting from a position of ignorance and fear and what you've learned through, you know, all this sort of anti-cannabis stuff for the last 70 years, because that's not a true reflection of cannabis as medicinal use. And I think that's all we're asking as parents is to have that open mind and work with us and listen to us and think that our voices are valid. And, and sadly, um, that's been the experience of many families I know. And and sometimes with me until we've we've now found a great team of doctors is that actually parents aren't listened to when it comes to the care of their children or they don't feel they're being listened to. That doctors are, you know, doctors are very busy. They're, you know, running lots of clinics. They're especially in emergency situations. They're just trying to get the child to stop having seizures, whatever. But many families feel disconnected from the decision making in their children's medical um assessments and that you know the decision making process I think many parents feel that they're ignored and that's where this sort of wanting to take over and treating their child themselves comes from because they're just fed up with being ignored and I think that's a real issue for doctors and actually um, I remember seeing a Dr. Evan Lewis, who's from Canada, the Toronto Neurology Centre, and he's a paediatric neurologist. And he said um, in a conference I saw, and he's actually on the committee for the Medical Cannabis Clinician Society as well now. And he said, you know, people will do this anyway. And it's our jobs as, as clinicians to accept that and make it as safe as possible. And that's absolutely right. It's about reducing harm to families who are very vulnerable and children who are very vulnerable. And if doctors don't take the time to involve parents in that decision-making process on their medical care of their children and really listen to what the parents want as well as what they think is right. It should be a two-way street and it hasn't been. It's always the doctor's in charge and you do as I tell you. And the problem with that is parents get fed up and they'll go off and do what they think is right and actually could cause them more harm. Um, So clinicians, I just would urge doctors to get involved with the the care of their patients and actually listen and be valid, you know, think that there's valid points that, you know, I I spend my life with my child and they don't. So we have something to say and we should be listened to. 
Of course. Do you, have you known families that have, you say, having to go and do their own thing? Have you seen them make that decision and have to go and buy stuff off yeah. the street? Yeah. And and have still had okay results with it? Or Well, it's inconsistent because whatever you buy is always different each time. <laughs> That's the problem. Um, so, no, I mean, it's not consistent. It's something that MedCan support urge against uh, using either black market or sometimes grey market products, which is where CBD companies may extract their own products um, from imported flour and add some THC, for example. So it's, you know, it, there is some sort of process to it rather than it being, you know, someone making it in their kitchen. Um, but you're not getting, you're not necessarily getting pesticide-free products. You're, you're going to get heavy metals because obviously the soil, the cannabis draws up whatever's in the soil. And, you know, that's not good for children with epilepsy to be putting heavy metals into their bodies <laughs> because yeah. for neurological, you know, the very sensitive neurological system. So, yeah, it's really dangerous, but it's happening all the time because people are desperate and they want, you know, I talk to these families, they want clinical intervention. They don't want to go behind their doctor's backs and do this, but their doctors aren't interested in working with them. And, and as I said, what Dr. Evan Lewis says is that you must. And, and I completely agree with him. These doctors, whether they like it or not, cannabis as a medicine is here to stay. It's going to be a big, I think, a big sector in the UK eventually. And it's going to be prescribable on the NHS eventually. So let's embrace it and make it safe and make a framework that allows it to be available. Um, because however much they try to sort of push back on it and say that it's not safe and we need to do all these long convoluted trials, that's not the way to bring the best medicines to market. But it is very difficult because it's a botanical. So you can't patent it. You can't, you know, it is it is difficult because we should have, pharma, you know, pharmaceutical grades of development of this product, I believe. And, you know, if we bring it to the UK and we have growing and extraction in the UK, everything should have a pharmaceutical grade. There should be an amazing standard. But it per se, it's not a pharmaceutical because it's multi-compound plant. So it is a very difficult area. But I don't believe that it's not by will of man to sort it out and make it safe and available. It just needs to get everyone's heads together on it. Imagining what you said just a minute ago about the dilemma. You know, if you're one of these parents, you've got a desperately sick child. You're at this crossroads where you can't get your NHS prescription and you're faced with, okay, so either we go down the route of buying illegal stuff as best we can and hoping that works or trying to find thousands of pounds a month potentially and presumably some have gone one way and the other some have just tried to beg borrow the money you know so which is well that I mean that's still that's even going to be more difficult come the end of the year because at the moment there's only actually one prescribing pediatric neurologist in the country um, the two others have actually one of them is retiring the other one shut their books and is going to be retiring at the end of the year so we are facing 100 children on private prescriptions with with possibly no prescriber by the end of the year as well so you know it's well, not is, even sorry to interrupt, not even private no <laughs> no so it um, might so it might even you even even with tons of money to chuck at it, you couldn't. You might not even by the end of the year, you might not even be able to get it privately as a child. You know, adult adult um, access is different. There's about sixty clinicians prescribing for adult use. There are issues within the private sector for adult use at the moment, which need sorting out. Um, and that, you know, Mike's developed the Cannabis Industry Council to help with that. So that's brought together a hundred different. Um, 
entities within within the cannabis space to try and sort out the private sector but that you know that's an aside but actually facing the children with epilepsy um at the moment they there may be only one prescriber and, and the best will in the world he's not going to take on 100 new patients um so that's very very serious as well so you know there is that's why this is so important that the government need to get on board sort this mess out and actually if the government i feel if the government say you know this is our stamp of approval we want this to be available we're going to work with um you know nice and the NHRA to make this available on the nhs to look at commissioning to look at the evidence that's available now the real world evidence that drug science has pulled together from these families if they actually show willing that they want to help, I think that's going to give confidence to doctors out there to start prescribing. Um, And you've got projects like Project 2021 who are gathering data on adults. They haven't got a paediatric prescriber at the moment. So again, getting a paediatric prescriber for that project would be amazing because then that would start bringing in that data for children. So there's lots of things the government can do. And I I, I refute this point where they say, well, we changed the law now, it's up to the doctors. It's just nonsense. There's loads of issues, but they can be sorted out. We know that they can be sorted out. They just have to have will, they have to have want to get involved and they have to want to sort it out. And actually they can do that. And that will bring confidence to doctors out there saying, oh, who are on the fence saying, you know, I am interested in this. I'd like to prescribe, but I'm, you know, a bit worried about the sort of anti-rhetoric, let's say, from the paediatrics governing bodies like the BPNA. I think if if the government showed willing to, to work with us to make it better, then I think that that would really encourage paediatric prescribers to come out and say, OK, we'll, we'll help. Okay, so we need to get pressure from politicians coming to the to NICE and to the BPNA. You have a petition, don't you, that people can yeah. sign? I do on, on, on change.org, yes. So people can go, so people can either go there from your Instagram can they, yeah, I've got I've Alfie's, got that on my Alfie's Hope Facebook and Instagram. Yeah, Alfie's Hope and Instagram that that goes through to your so and the um and the petition is also on is it also on Change.org? Can you it's on Change.org and it says it's called Stop Denying Access to Medicinal Cannabis on the NHS. And on there as well, I've just done an update um, asking um, people to email their MP. So there's a link on that update where you can click on it, put your postcode in and your MP will come up and you can send an email to your MP and, you know, tell your MP that this is something that you care about and that you'd like him to intervene on the access to medicinal cannabis products on the NHS. Okay, so, so either Alfie's... stuff people can do. So let's use our voices together and, and you know, let's get it sorted. <laughs> I, th- I, think, I think this could be... This could be something where something as old-fashioned as a petition, albeit given the modern impetus of not having to go and sign something on a piece of paper, being able to do it from your smartphone, it could actually make a difference. Because I think it's one of these things, I think tons of people, if they take the time to think about it, they would support it. Because, mm. you know, if you take all that nonsense, misinformation side out of the way and look at a very clear-cut case like yours and Alfie's. I mean, I think people would support it. Okay, so it's change.org, stop denying access to medicinal cannabis on the NHS, or people can go through Alfie's Hope on Facebook or Alfie's Hope on Instagram. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Um, And, yeah, if people can sign it, share it. And I think you're right, we've got 652,000 people that have signed that petition. It would be nice to get to a million (laughs) <laughs> 652,000 I mean that's a lot of people 
Well, exactly. And, but I also think there's a lot of people that either think, one, that the law changed and there's nothing to worry about anymore, or two, they still don't know that cannabis is available legally as a, as a, medic- as a medicine. Because the amount of comments I see um, on groups from people who's, I mean, for the other day I saw a, a, a comment from a, a, a father whose daughter had been doing PSE in school and a teacher had said, cannabis is illegal. And apparently the child said, well, no, miss, cannabis isn't illegal for medicinal use because my dad has it for his pain. And she said, oh, don't don't be stupid. No, it's illegal. And I think, again, that's the problem. People don't know that it's available. They don't have the education. And that's something that we really need to work on as well as a, a, you know, as a sort of a campaigner and as a community is, educating the public because they still don't know that it's available medicinally they still don't know all the problems so we need to get that information out there and we need to make it better 652,000 people I mean imagine if everyone had seen that you know because not everyone's going to have seen the petition I think you would probably get half the country at least you know (laughs) but I think it does I think it probably is I think Mike Barnes talked about this I think it probably it's sort of hovering around the halfway in terms of in terms of how people feel I know again blurring the lines and and there's a lot of blurring the lines sadly and I think that's a big problem yeah because again but that comes down to education and that you know I'd I'd like to go in you know when I've got a spare five minutes think about doing a project in schools going into schools educating teachers educating pupils on you know what what is cannabis what is it used for medicinally that sort of thing because that's that is really really important because that's where you know, everything is taught, isn't it, in school? And we should, they, you know, especially children, they should be being told what, what is the truth. But if, if teachers don't know what the truth is, then they can't educate their children. No. So, Well, I mean, if the, you, you can hardly expect the teachers to know and the doctors don't, can you? Well, exactly, you know? exactly. So we need to work hard on, on education and, and destigmatizing and information and safety. And I think we, you know, going back to the, you know, this is going to happen, let's make it safe. It's going to happen. Let's make it safe. Perfect. Well, good luck with the letter to Boris. We'll do what we can to help push it. You're doing great work. Hannah Deacon, Thank thank you very much. Thanks, Richard. Nice to see you. Thank you. Thanks again to Hannah Deacon. You can sign that petition by going to change.org and finding Stop Denying Access to Medical Cannabis on the NHS or you can go via Hannah's Facebook page, Alfie's Hope or Alfie's Hope, Alfie's underscore Hope, I think it is on Instagram. Healthy Beast is healthybeastpodcast.com and at healthybeastpodcast on Instagram. Thanks very much for listening. Thank you.